Hey folks, Chris and Rich here. Uh, just want to talk to you real quick about the folks we do our podcast hosting through. Our podcast is powered by Podbean Podcast Hosting. Now, if you're thinking about starting your own podcast or you're looking for the best home for your podcast, I want to encourage you to check out all the amazing features that Podbean offers with unlimited bandwidth and storage for an affordable price. That's right, it's unlimited. So visit uh, podbean.com slash V-O-R radio to check it out today. And again, that's podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash V-O-R-R-A-D-I-O. Thanks for checking it out. We'd really appreciate it. And if you're wanting to podcast, this is a really great place to do it. We've been doing with this with them for quite a few years now, and we've been very uh, grateful for all their help and for their the tools that they have available. Please give it a che- uh, check, and I think you'll be happy with it. So now we're on to the show. Welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio, your host, Chris Honholtz, and, well, not Richard Story. Rich is not with us tonight. And no, this is not an April Fool's joke, even though it is April 1st, 2023. Uh, poor Rich has literally been playing Watchmen on the Wall with, for his family as storms continue to beat the living tar out of the area he's in. He is in, in Mississippi. There have been numerous tornadoes, numerous storms, and just all kinds of havoc wreaked and rich is uh, kind of the amateur weatherman for his house he's tracked everything from dew points to storm fronts and everything else that he tried to explain to me that went right over my head and um, he he was basically up all night keeping track on that so his family could rest so if the if weather patterns came their way they could get ready and go if they needed to. So uh, please pray for Rich and his family. Thankfully, the, God is gracious and they skipped over their area, but pray for the rest he desperately needs. However, however, despite the fact that I told you all on social media I was going to be solo on this and you were going to have to put up with me by myself, I'm not by myself. I actually have had a dear brother in Christ who has uh, graciously joined, uh, uh, volunteered to join us now. I think it's a blessing. I'll let you decide if it's worth having Andrew Raptorport on the show. But, brother, how are you doing this week? <laughs> Thank you very much. I know that you do not like to do solo podcasts, so I figured, hey, if if you want some company, uh, I, I can join you. And and we should congratulate you. I know you won't announce it, so I should. Congratulations <laughs> on, what, 5,000 downloads for, for the month? Was that your record there? Yeah, it was – it, 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 it it almost hit 5,200, which I still cannot quite understand. Um, as, as we have explained to some folks uh, listening to the program, we try to keep the numbers out of it. But when January came around, Podbean had the opportunity, presented an opportunity for people who host through them to, to apply to be listed as featured. Well, apparently doing that was a massive boost <laughs> to our listener base. And we've picked up a lot of new listeners. Thank you all for joining us. And What's been interesting is to watch from mid-January to now the in continued increase, and we literally broke 5,000. As I'm looking at this going, wow, we, we could conceivably maybe hit close to 5,000, and then overnight we shot uh, up to almost 5,200 
for the month of March, which for us, I mean, look, we're not just thinking. We're not going to get 87,000 downloads in, in one episode. Daryl, love you, man. Your stuff's fantastic. You accomplished with one episode. It took us seven years to do. Uh, but, uh, but for us, that was absolutely astounding. Uh, the, the new listeners have come on board, and they not only seem to be listening to what we put out, but y'all have been going backwards in time and listening to everything else. So uh, it's, it's been quite amazing. So yeah, thank you, brother. We appreciate that. I, I know I do that myself. I mean, I find a podcast I like uh, first time hearing it. I go, oh, let me just go. I, mean, I just did this recently yeah. with a, you know, I was out, <clears throat> excuse me, at a, at a conference and I'm just getting over a cold. So I will try to mute the coughs. But I was at a conference with uh, Dead Man Walking podcast mm -hmm. and conversations with a Calvinist. And so I subscribed, and then I went back to old episodes, started downloading a bunch. So that's what happens when you find one you like. Hey, amen, amen. And it's it's been really wild to watch. Um, I've said this before, you know. I, I, in a lot of ways, we are very unscripted. It's it's a, a conversational thing, and so uh, half the time, at least, we're not walking in with notes because most of the time I'm going, "What are we talking about again?" <laughs> and um, we shoot from the hip a lot, mostly because we're trying to work through these things as Christians having a conversation. And what blows my mind is that seems to really resonate with uh, with people. And you guys seem to really uh, benefit from it and, and uh, enjoy it, which we are grateful that you that it's helping you. So I um, want to remind you, by the way, we talk about this a lot. We are part of the Christian podcast community and the the, the our, our quote unquote boss of that is actually sitting on the other side of the microphone. Uh, three time zones away. Uh, and that's my, our brother here, Andrew. It was kind of his brainchild to put this together where a, uh, a bunch of like-minded Christians come together uh, and help, you know, benefit each other by pr helping cross promotion, uh, doing things like what Andrew and I are doing now, being on each other's shows and giving you a resource where it's like, if you're looking for solid content, you're going to find it through Christian podcast community. So want you to go check that out um, and, and listen to Andrew's shows. I give him a lot of grief. We love to give each other grief. That's what we pretty much live for on social media is to terrorize each other. But, but um, we, uh, you really appreciate his content. Uh, he's got multiple shows, but his rap report and uh, the, um, Apologetics live shows are the two that I am most have been either been involved with or have listened to. And uh, I really encourage you to go check out both of those. I, I, I give him a lot of grief, but I am grateful for our, our Wait, brother here. You give me grief? Oh, just a little. <laughs> okay. Wait, hold on. We can actually, we have it recorded. Oh, no. Here we go. This is from a previous episode you did. <laughs> Andrew is a master, uh, <laughs> master planner, master, uh, you know, whatever it is he's going to do because he knows well in advance how he's going to twist you up in circles and then try to make it look like it was your fault. So just ask Matt Slick. <laughs> ask Matt Slick. That poor guy is getting no mercy from Andrew since Andrew's been out there this week. Uh, out there in Idaho, they were uh, ministering to, to the Mormon community out there and that Poor Matt can't even buy dinner without Andrew mocking him, saying, I beat you to it, and putting him on video to do it. <laughs> and for, I mean, for the record, I didn't do the video, just for the record. But <laughs> hey, we were in, in Israel. I encouraged everyone to buy Matt his lunch so that he couldn't. Um, and we had some people do that. It was nice. And uh, But I did, I did let Matt buy me an ice cream bar. 
So see, I'm so very I'm a, gracious yeah. of you. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, I, now I've been told by Rich since you graciously volunteered to fill in for him, he was fine with you uh, filling in for him, provided you brought him back and is a rock from Israel like he asked you to. So if you didn't, I'm going to have to kick you off the show because that was well, the that was the deal. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good thing that I have one. Hey, all right, all right. But he has to come here to pick it up. <laughs> I'll make sure to relay that, which he'll figure out once the show drops. He'll listen in. <laughs> so, brother, I want to thank yeah, you look, for. I had, to, I had to play a clip because he knows I keep I keep this whole rack of clips from uh, that he always busts on me for for keeping and and enjoying to play them at at good times. But we we are going to talk a serious yes. topic tonight, and yeah. one that I'm glad I'm actually really glad that you allowed me to come on because I haven't spoken about this publicly. So. Yeah. I'm I'm really glad to be able to do this with you. Yeah, no, and we're grateful to have you, brother. It's, it's uh, I always love the content that you bring to any show that you're on, whether you're doing it your own or you're on with other folks. So I know you're going to ha have some great contribution to this as well. And this is one of those topics that, unfortunately, it's probably been covered a million different ways. And we were praying about that in, in, at the beginning of, or prior to the show starting. What we're hoping to do tonight is... We hope we cover it from a different perspective than most people will. And what we're hoping to do is may it be a reminder of the desperate need we have to proclaim the gospel, especially in times such as these. So if unless you've literally been living on, on an island in the middle of nowhere, you know what happened this last Monday, March 27th. Uh, on that date, an uh, individual by the name of Audrey Hale walked into Covenant School in Nashville, Tennessee and opened fire. She did this as a uh, pre-planned attack. She did this as uh, I would call a hate crime against uh, Christians, which we'll go into. She killed six people. Three of them were children, nine years old. Evelyn uh, Deekhouse, Haley Scruggs, and William Kinney. And uh, sadly, one of those children was the daughter of the pastor of the, uh, of the church that runs that school. The three adults were Catherine Kuntz, uh, she was the head of the school, 60 years old, Cynthia Peake, 61, and Mike Hill, 61. Well, here's what we do know, that prior to going into the school, she had actually messaged a middle school friend through a, via Instagram. And interestingly, I had read an article where that friend came forward and noted that Hale had almost a, not maybe borderline stalkerish uh mentality toward this friend just constantly showing up at places constantly finding ways to contact her um just very bizarre behavior she described it as um we know that she messaged that friend and said i'm going to die today uh you're probably going to hear about me on the news and uh, i really care about you you were an amazing person uh we know that at 10 11 a.m uh nashville time she entered the school and that by 10 25 a.m Law enforcement officers had engaged her and ended her threat. Uh, if you have not had the opportunity, uh, I will cautiously recommend to watch the, uh, the the Metro Police video that's been released of that of that uh, high risk shooting incident because it shows you how you should actually respond to an active shooter incident as as opposed to some that have gone really horribly wrong when bad decisions were made. And uh, this one was, I would, I would call it textbook. They did exactly what they were supposed to do and they limited the loss of life and they acted quickly. 
Uh, they acted with great courage and uh, concern for those involved, and they made sure that that threat was stopped. And when they did, you'll see in the video, and we won't link it. I'm not going to require anybody to go watch it. It's it's hard to watch. But um, she was actively engaging law enforcement from a second-story window when uh, when they took the shot. So, But that's how quickly and, and uh, uh, quite honestly, heroically, those officers acted. We, we know that subsequent in investigation revealed the following. Hale was once a student at the school. She was, I believe, 28 years old now. This is a, was kind of a grade school age school, so this was some time ago. She identified herself as transgender, and we're going to say she. Uh, and please understand, as a Christian program, we stand upon truth, and we'll get into why we say that there is not, there is, uh, I'm going to say what uh, Daryl Harrison has been saying on Twitter. No one is trans. Okay. I'm going to make that point right, right up front. That's why we're going to continue to refer to her by her actual name and by her actual gender. Um, she identified herself as transgender. She was uh, female. She was identifying herself as male. According to the police, that she had written a manifesto, which has not yet been released. I saw a headline that suggested that FBI is reviewing it first and that this should be released after that. We'll see. Um, we know that she had a detailed map of the school and she had identified other potential targets, which were ruled out because apparently they were just uh, not soft target enough. And finally, we know uh, there has been reports that she was undergoing some sort of mental health treatment or therapy. And um, there was one article that was suge that suggested that she may have been even receiving counseling from the pastor of the church slash school. I don't know if that was confirmed or not. So that's what we do know. Since the shooting, here's what's happened. Miss um, Hale has been lauded by uh, the LGBT community as a martyr. There are there are individuals that have actually, you know, identified her as a victim because of the uh, of the ongoing narrative regarding the trans community and how they are persecuted and how they are hated and so that the reason she did what she did was because she's a, a oh, she was a victim and a martyr she has been portrayed very positively in the media uh, you know talking about how she was a smart and loving and quiet young woman she was an artist etc the media has even gone so far as to tempt, uh, attack, try to tamp down this uh, the issue of her referring to herself as trans uh, as transgender by in one hard article put out by Reuters, they refer to her as a former Christian school student, uh, basically ba uh, saying here was a person who was a Christian who went in back into a Christian school and killed other Christians. Uh, we know that during a recent protest in Tennessee, I think it had to do with their transgender laws, which are being uh, debated and po potentially passed about having to not that. Let's just say we're not going to poison children and, and mutilate their bodies in the name of trans, uh, transgender protections. So that protest is going on. And while it's going on, the, uh, the protesters are identifying not six, but seven victims, uh, indicating that they indicate uh, believe Miss Hale is a victim, despite the fact that she brutally murdered three older people and three nine-year-old children. She that They are being referred to as a victim by protesters. The media has apologized repeatedly for referring to her as a woman instead of a man in initial reports. Um, the media has reported that Hale was not accepted by her Christian family. Um, there was a headline, and I'll see if I can find it again while I'm going through this, that, uh, that kind of referred to her as having been rejected by her family. Um, let me find this real quick. I was just looking at it. 
and I'm going to. I hate when I have everything up and then I forget to do that one. Yeah. Uh, but I can't find it at the moment. Well, but while you're while you're looking for that, I mean, one of the things that we did notice with it is the media did call her a female. Yes. Initially, yes. and <clears throat> this is this is the thing that's so interesting with it is how they quickly had to change the narrative when they realized what was actually happening. We we don't see if you look at the name of the school is Covenant Christian School. Mm-hmm. Everyone refers to it as Covenant School. It's interesting the word Christians dropped out. True. Uh, that her transgenderism is was dropped out in the beginning until she suddenly became a victim. And now she's transgender. Yeah, yeah. It, it was you saw originally the headlines: former Christian student, and that's the only time you'd see Christian in there when she was identified yeah. as the Christian doing the shooting. So, the as far as it being a hate crime, it's interesting because in every other case, the manifesto that they write is made public. In this one, it isn't. And they're they're all trying to make it about, well, this is what happened at her school when she was there in sixth grade. Yeah, sixth grade. Okay. So, well, we don't know, and the media doesn't know because the police haven't released the manifesto. Exactly. So they're saying, oh, this is why. But yet again, we we see the media rushing to judgment on a narrative. Not the truth. We don't know what the truth is because they won't release it. Exactly. And that's exactly one of the biggest problems. And I did find the headline. It was from Daily Mail. Their picture for the, uh, the, the, this particular article puts, uh, puts down the statement, Trans Outcast. Yeah. Big capital letters and then exclusive. Nashville mass school shooter was rejected by her Christian parents. So that's one of the things. That's what we do know is that they are they're basically painting that narrative that she is a victim of uh, Christianity, uh, Christian hate, so to speak. Um, we know that they, uh, the media has and trans activists have alleged that the trans community will be victimized or be persecuted by anti-trans hate uh, after this shooting. It was NBC News that uh, listed their article saying, fear pervades Tennessee's trans community amid focus on Nashville shooters' gender identity. Quote, we were already fearing for our lives. Now it's even worse, end quote. So that's uh, this is what we're seeing evolve post-shooting. Yes. How many articles are there about Christians shooting trans people uh last i checked zero yeah i don't remember i mean i remember they were quick to accuse christians at a nightclub Mm -hmm. a gay nightclub oh but that turned out to be a muslim yep i you know i just think that if they're gonna say that christians are out trying to kill all the trans people there should be some statistics to support it am i am i crazy in thinking such Things I, I think you would be cr- uh, crazy in the eyes of the people we'll be talking about tonight, but I think if you're a rational thinking person, no, uh, which is the problem. We're, we're not dealing with a lot of rationality and, and logical thinking. And just a couple other last things um, is, that we've seen is that media has criticized Christians and other media personalities for saying transgender ideology is anti-Christian. Uh, that was something that came up when Tucker Carlson, I think, rightly pointed out that transgender ideology is incompatible and antithetical to Christian 
uh, Christian doctrine, and that blew up. Uh, like it, 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 the the response to that was almost worse than the uh, than how people felt about the shooting. Uh, and then some evangelical leaders, Tom Buck shared this earlier for, uh, as an example. One was Nate Collins of Revoice was appealing to Christians to be kind in addressing Hale as someone who suffered, quote unquote, parental rejection. I believe his tweet came, was along the lines of we can simultaneously, you know, be uh, sympathetic and compassionate about the victims of the shooter, but at the same time, have compassion toward Hale because she was a victim of parental rejection. So these are things that have developed since the shooting. And um, that, that, that hopefully brings you kind of up to speed and, and understanding what we're actually talking about tonight. And that's the thing that I, I hope this is what we or this is what our world is dealing with. Andrew is that we are as Christians, we just saw a Christian school slash church violently attacked children we're not even just talking about a provoked incident where somebody got hurt but who happened to be christian or was killed because of maybe a, a conflict between parties in a protest or something like that no, we saw someone who actively planned actively targeted and and went to the process of killing specifically children uh, uh and and adults who are professing christians in a christian school and yet what we are watching is a, a a real train wreck of reaction, and, and and honestly, I think by the before the the next week is out, this story is going to be buried. I genuinely believe that. Uh, one of the more recent nightclub shootings where the the shooter went to court and identified, oh, by the way, I'm non-binary. Within a week, that 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 shooting uh, story died, and mm -hmm. and I, I firmly believe that this one will as well I, because well, you can't see, this, get around this. This is where I disagree with you. Okay. I, I do. I don't think it's going to die because they found a way to fit the narrative. As you've already said, the real victim here is not the three nine-year-olds nor the three 60-year-olds. The real victim is the 28-year-old yeah, yeah. who just recently became transgender. Now, she's 28. You, she went to this school because of what they did to her in sixth grade. This is 20 years later, you know, maybe a little less, but roughly. So, you know, we don't know what that manifesto says. We don't know what her reasons are, but I could, we do know one thing for sure. She went to that school to commit a mm -hmm. form of suicide. Indeed. She, she knew she was going to die. She anticipated she was going to die. She wanted to die, but not at her own hands. And she wanted, this is personally why I'm against any manifestos being made public in the sense where these people want to mm -hmm. kill people so their voice could be heard. This is why I like Daily Wire doesn't mention the names of the people that do these sort of killings. Yeah, it, yeah. They shouldn't be mentioned. And so the thing is, is that when you provide the manifesto and it gets out there, it encourages more people that just want to be heard to get national attention to be heard even in their death. And so in that sense, I'm glad that it's not being shared. I wish they would not share any of them. But when since they share all the others and not sharing this one, it leads me to believe that they, they read this and went, oh, no, Christians are going to be seen as a victim here. Yeah. And we can't have that. I mean, Madonna is flying to the United States 
to Tennessee. Why? To go to Nashville for the victims? No, just one victim, supposed yeah, yeah. victim. She's coming in because to support the LGBT community. Well, this was a crime committed by the LGBT community the way that they always try to say it, right? It's always if if they can blame it on a Christian when when a you know, abortion clinic was shot up, that was a Christian doing it. And they were quick to say that. And mm-hmm. then they found out, oh, it wasn't. When the, the massage parlors were shot up, oh, it was a Christian. He attended church. And then they found out, yeah, that wasn't the case either. When it was a gay bar shot up, it was a Christian that did that. Uh, and then they found out it was a Muslim. You know, they rushed to judgment to blame Christians. And as you mentioned, both earlier and in your article that you have on slavetothekingcom the fact that what they're doing is they're in a rush to judge Christians, but they do not want Christians to be seen as the victim. Mm-hmm. The, the Christians constantly have to be the guilty party all the time. And so what we end up seeing is they are justifying, as you mentioned in your article, Maxine Waters, who justifies going out and and attacking conservatives if they're seen in public because they should be hiding. They shouldn't be out in public. And that's exactly what ends up happening. And she goes, well, I have no responsibility for that. But they want to blame all Christians for anything that any Christian does. We've seen this with the 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 church shooting in Texas, I forget the other the black church that where they were, oh, that was national news with the black church until everybody from that church offered forgiveness mm-hmm. to the guy that shot them. And then they wanted it just dropped from the news. They don't want anything of that. Because the only reason that interested them was it was a black church. Yeah. But yeah. every time that you see Christians being killed, the media wants to blame the Christians for someone killing them. And they, they're justifying. And look, Chris, we have to be honest. We have entered a third world country. America is now a third world country. We have just arrested a political opponent. That's yep. what third world countries do. Yeah. So we, we shouldn't be surprised when we see things like this happening where the media, the, which is just propaganda for the regime, is just promoting whatever angle they have to – because if they don't promote the regime's message, well, soon they'll be imprisoned or killed like in other third world countries. No, I absolutely agree with you, brother. And I, I think we'll get to explain that here in just a little bit. Because what we're watching is a culture that is continuing to uh, steep itself further and further into sin, into the celebration and acceptance and affirmation of sin in rebellion against God and what and what we see in this shooting and I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out what motive is and in fact I would argue that we know we can, we can even know what the motive is by listening to our own political opponents so to speak those within the transgender community because they even recognize well it's because that's a Christian school and Christians are bad they're responding that way so I think it's I think most everybody can identify that so let's let's start with you know, trans the trans identity as yeah. a biblical issue. I, I, I believe now I, I would challenge how Tarko Carlson presented it to an extent. I think he was I think he was very accurate in his Fox News uh monologue, but one of the things he said is that he referred to 
uh, trans uh, ideology as a mirror image of Christianity. I think what he's trying to say is kind of a reverse image or an antithetical image to uh, to Christian uh, doctrine. And that's why I say I, I think his language is a little bit muddled there, but it is absolutely antithetical. And as he pointed out, where Christians recognize there's nothing uh, of ourselves that has a goodness or uh, or uh, uh, I'm trying to say the, the right words and I'm getting ahead of myself, so bear with me. There's nothing about ourselves that we count as good or perfect or worthy. We recognize that before God, we are unrighteous, unholy, wicked, vile sinners, and that it is through the uh, humiliation of bowing ourselves humbly before the Lord, admitting our sins, confessing and repenting of our sins, and turning to Jesus Christ, that we have been made worthy. That there is something now truly good and truly righteous about us, but it's not us, it's Christ in us. Where the opposite is true within transgender ideology. Transgender ideology says, I determine my worth. I determine that I am good. What I feel and what I decide of myself, that is what is paramount and everyone must accept. It, and uh, and the, the only sin in transgender ideology is to deny that transgender ideology is, is, is true and correct. Everything else is permissible. So they are on a collision course, despite what happened on Joy Reid's show on MSNBC, where a man pretending to be a woman, uh, going by the name of Charlotte Clymer, tried to say that he speaks for uh, speaks the voice of uh, Christ through his understanding of uh, of the Christian faith through actual love and, and acceptance and such, and denies Christ from people who say that transgender ideology is sinful. Uh, rather, it is despite his claims, which are a complete misrepresentation of the, of the truth. These two are on a collision course, and we saw them collide together in Nashville. So why do I say that? Why do I say that transgender ideology is antithetical to Scripture? It's quite simple. It, scripture tells us, you look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, also echoed by Christ in Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. It is God who made us male and female. God made us male and female. There is not a male that God went, oops, you're actually female. There is not a female where God went, and you're actually male. God made you what you were knit together in your mother's womb. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. The psalmist recognizing made by God in his mother's womb. There is nothing about that that's a mistake. All right, now you're going to have inevitably, well, what about the whatabouts that are genetic abnormalities, number one, are extremely small end of the spectrum and account for virtually nothing of what we're discussing here in terms of transgenderism. Secondly, Genetic abnormalities are evidence of the fall, and it does not mean that you are something other than male or female. It means that your biology, as a result of the fall, just like someone who has uh, you know, gen genetic abnormalities that cause illness or, or have heart problems or have uh, you know, limb uh, distortions, that is a result of the fall. So before we go there, let's not even try that. But it was God who has knit us together and determined our gender. 
It is God who defines our gender and our sexuality. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 25 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called uh, every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to, all, to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of, the, uh, of his ribs and closed up its place in his flesh. And, that, and the rib that the Lord had taken from, him, from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. God made them male and female. God ordained the relationship of marriage between man and a woman. And when for all those who say Jesus never spoke of gay marriage, yes, he did. Go back to Matthew, Matthew chapter 19 where he refers directly to this. This is God's ordaining of the sex and gender and sexuality and marriage and how sexuality is to be expressed everything in this passage and we look at places like deuteronomy 22 5 a man shall not wear a, a, a woman shall not wear a man's garment nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak for whoever does these things is an abomination uh, to the lord your god god defines even how we represent ourselves yes fashions change over time okay but what is clearly that which is Feminine belongs to women. Clearly that is masculine belongs to men. That's why these abominations that are currently walking the catwalk as these new fashions come out are meant to be gender neutral. They're to uh, neuter men. They are meant to make women masculine to destroy that. That's why they, they know that God's law tells them they cannot do this, yet they will. It is God who says to us in Leviticus 18:22, "You shall not lie with a male uh, as a uh, with a woman. It is an abomination against sexuality defined by God." And we see it all culminating, all of this, everything that God has said about who we are as men and women. We see in Romans chapter one what happens to a people when they reject God's definition of gender and sexuality. Romans chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged their natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Andrew, we see this happening, that God has designed us. He has made us. He has defined who we are in our, our right down to our biology and how that is to be expressed and how that is how we are to come together to become one flesh. And yet what we are watching with the transgender community is to say, no, it's all flipped. We can decide whatever we want to be. I absolutely agree when I hear people like Tucker Carlson say these two cannot coexist, right? No, they can't. And the thing is, is that what they want us to do, and think about how fast this has changed. This has only been within the last decade that all of a sudden the left tapped into something that they can do to say, 
look, we can blame conservatives, we can blame Christians specifically, so that we can say, look, they're they're against love. And that's the whole agenda of this. So when you have these people that want to try to say, well, we're we should be kind to the homosexuals and the transgenders, and they're not being kind to us. Mm-hmm. Okay? And <clears throat> one of the arguments that they make is that this is I've heard the issue of healthcare. I've heard the issue that their lives are at risk. You you mentioned it earlier, that they're they're going to gather together and say how I mean, their life is at risk while they are, as we we speak, committing what was previously called insurrection when they took over just what last weekend took over a Capitol building. Yeah, yeah, and. That's there, there's no news about that being an insurrection. In fact, even though there was violence, it was again reported as mostly a peaceful event. And what like what will it take for them to admit that there's some violence going on when the left is doing it? Well, nothing because they're they're going to refuse. They're going to ignore it, and that's what we see time and time again in this, is that. They. This is all about the agenda, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So you and I have talked about this in the past. Right now, truth doesn't matter. You know, theology doesn't matter. Narrative matters. That's what we're seeing. The only thing that they care about is the narrative that they can spin. And the narrative that they're spinning is, well, you know, Christians want to kill transgenders. No, I'll tell you what Christians want to do. Christians are not like Muslims. We don't want to throw them off buildings. No. We don't want to kill them. We want to share the gospel with them. That's what a Christian wants to do with a transgender. But what are you hearing from the transgenders right now? I mean, they were going to have in D.C. I know it was canceled, but elsewhere their day of rage Mm -hmm. was today, which I think fitting for April 1st um, because their rage is an April Fool's joke. Because what rage? They're having rage against Christians that aren't actually doing what they're claiming is being done. Their claim is that preventing them from indoctrinating children will cause children to kill themselves. And yet we don't make that argument in any other way. We don't sit there and say, well, there's a group of people that that highly, you know, high percentage of people kill themselves. So we have to stop it. Because, you know, one of the highest suicide rates are within certain professions when it comes to adults like mm, police officers, military. Mm. Should we say no more police and military? I don't hear anyone making that argument. Well, maybe maybe not arguing because police kill themselves, but maybe for other reasons. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, is that we see – well, no, now, now we know that that's the Republicans calling for – defunding the police. I mean, yeah, that, yeah. that's how ridiculous it, it has that become. Utterly ludicrous. But what we see is that their argument, let's examine the argument. They're trying to say that in the future, someone may kill themselves if you don't let them be introduced to transgenderism from a very early age, an age before they're allowed to drink alcohol because they're not able to handle it, smoke cigarettes because they're not allowed to handle it, vote because they're not allowed to handle it. Uh, oh, by the way, they can't even get Advil or Tylenol 
at their age in school because they're not allowed to handle it, but they could know their gender and all the effects that's going to have. And so this is what we're told. If we don't allow this, they're going to kill themselves. Well, that has not been proven. See, the fact that many transgenders kill themselves, I would argue, is because they have a sin problem that everyone wants to encourage, in fact, celebrate. And because of that, you have people that are taking what the culture would say is a mental illness, and instead of getting them help, encouraging them to further go into mental illness, which doesn't solve the problem. So what do they do? They get desperate and they take their life. Because one thing that's interesting when you look at some of the statistics, the suicide rate before transgender operations and after is actually higher after. Yeah, yeah. So the if you're going to make the argument they may kill themselves, then we shouldn't be encouraging the transgenders to people to to in, look at transgenderism and get these operations. We should be stopping it. But here's the thing: the argument I don't hear anyone make because one of the things, Chris, you know this. Go back ten years prior and. When you were out evangelizing and you had that really staunch, hardcore atheist, there's one thing I knew, and I've done this probably a thousand times and only once did it not happen this way. Anytime I had a hardcore atheist, I went to the Reason Rally year, you know, when they had them for the two years they had those. It was a big atheist rally in D.C. Hundreds, thousands of atheists there and we would interview them and talk to them. Every one of them I talked to. They'd be the hardcore atheist asked one question: What church did you grow up in? And only once did a guy not grow up in church, because what they were doing was the, they were upset with the way they were raised. They hated God in a family that loved God, and they so hated it they felt the strongest thing they could do is be an atheist. Well, now the strongest thing they could do is be transgender. And when you find these really hard, strong transgender, when I go to the the pride parades and do evangelizing outside of those, everyone's been to church. Everyone grew up in church. And so if you're going to make the argument that transgenderism is going to cause people in the future to possibly take their life, then you should stop encouraging them to, you know, not go to church. You should be encouraging them to stay in church. Yeah. That would be the if you take their argument logically and just apply it to the transgenders who come from church, well, then we shouldn't confuse them. We should encourage them to have a biblical worldview. Now, that's not going to be something anyone's going to argue in the, from the world's perspective. Why? Because truth doesn't matter. Narrative matters. That's exactly it. You know, the thing that's interesting, is, you know, talking about you, you pointed out. Oh, the claim is they're 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 in danger because if we prevent the um, the proliferation of what they call um, gender affirming care, I, I, I used to think that Central Intelligence Agency was the biggest contradiction in terms. This gender affirming care is is by far worse. But they they believe that. The, the the line is what, what would you would you rather have a dead daughter or a live son you know that's that's the gender affirming care and I just watched a, there was a video today and I'm seeing more and more of these videos come out of people who call themselves detransitioners a young woman standing on the steps during a rally and she's explaining 
what happened and how she was never really, you know, and, and we're saying this from a secular perspective, not from a biblical perspective, but as a secular perspective, she was never, her mental health was never really looked into. Her her mental health needs were never really examined the way they should have been, but they went, oh, if you feel this way, that must mean you're transgender. And the the healthcare professionals, and I say that with air quotes, pushed her and her family down that gender-affirming care line. And at 16 years old, she had a double mastectomy. She was put on hormones. When she speaks, she sounds almost uh, like masculine. It just You can tell that femininity is gone in her voice. And her body has been racked with problems ever since. And she was talking about, you know, this was what they were faced with. It's either she's going to be a dead daughter or she'll be a live son, your choice. And that's the problem is, is that it's not logical. It's not about what's actually best. It's about driving, as you say, the narrative. Why? Because the narrative is what is antithetical to Christian truth. And that's one of the things I want to talk about here in just a moment. But going back to what you're saying about, you know, that, you know, they called it the transgender. It was supposed to be transgender day of visibility. They relabeled it, called it the day of vengeance. Yeah. For, for what? Vengeance for what? What have we done to you? Well, the idea is what we just talked about. Because you don't want transgender ideology proliferated, you're going to cause us to kill ourselves. So therefore, we are now going to violently respond to you. Um, wow, overkill much. So... But the interesting thing about that, in the article that you told, uh, that you mentioned that I had written on the Slave to the King side, I, I, I'll put it in show notes. It's Audrey Hale and culturally acceptable violence. Um, th- that's kind of what we're seeing happen here. Any sane or rational person who would have heard Day of Vengeance from any activist group would have gone, whoa, 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 stop, let's get all kinds of law enforcement out, let's start doing investigations, let's, what's about to happen here, we need to stop this before anybody gets hurt. You never heard any of that, not not a peep, you know, if there wasn't any investigations, they weren't saying squat. Why? I Because I genuinely believe, brother, is what we see is a culturally acceptable form of violence. There, you know... Most people will say, do you think violence solves anything? You ask nine out of 10 people, you might get that psychopath that's number 10, but nine out of 10 people will say, no, no, violence doesn't solve anything. Until we have the Covenant Christian School shooting, until we have Black Lives Matter or Antifa riots, until we have violent rhetoric, until we have school students bashing their way into a conservative speech uh, going on for, say, uh, the local Republican group on campus and screaming and shouting and cursing people down. That's when violence seems to be acceptable. See, as, as our nation continues to be given over to this depravity that we see in, in Romans chapter 1, our ability to think becomes even more and more debased. It is just 20, 30 years ago, brother, you and I, uh, I, I was, you know, you know, saved in, you know, September of 2000. So I've been a Christian for coming up on nearly 23, 23 years. In that time, I have watched such a massive shift in the culture's ability to have any semblance of critical thought. And I know you've you've been in, engaged in so much more of these things than I have, just from your ministry and from doing apologetics and, as you say, going to things like, uh, you know, various. 
uh, events such as the Reason Rally or uh, LGBT Pride Parades and engaging people, you and I would both agree, in the last 20 to 30 years, the nation's ability to think is gone into the gutter. It is shredded. It is almost gone. I wouldn't even say 20 or 30. I'd say 10 years. Oh, yeah. I mean, just, just, just watching, I mean, before as a new Christian to now, just in 20, almost 23 years, I've watched such a dramatic shift. And I would say, I think it was uh, James White that pointed out it was really Obergefell was the decision at the Supreme mm-hmm. Court was the tipping point. And every person who said this is going to lead to X, Y, Z problems who were screamed at for being an alarmist and slippery slope argument has been utterly proven right. But the foundations for that, of course, were laid many, many years earlier. But just what we would have thought was unthinkable two to three decades ago is utterly permissible today. Well, let me, me, if I could, just say where this started. It started with teaching evolution in school. Mm -hmm. Why? Because in teaching evolution, what they had to do is remove the teaching of critical thinking. Yes. Because if you have critical thinking, these things, people are going to realize this makes no sense. Because even with... There, the arguments being made, as you mentioned earlier, you either have a dead daughter or a live son. That's a logical fallacy, the either or fallacy, as if these are the only two options. No, there's another option. You could have a daughter who recognizes she's a girl and learns to enjoy her femininity or a boy who enjoys his masculinity, right? There's another option. But the either or fallacy gives you just these two. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing I find interesting is, you know, we were, Anthony and I were evangelizing down in Florida and this, these two women that were claiming to be married together, homosexuals. It's interesting because when they were upset with what we were saying, they were upset with me. They said, I hope your child turns out gay. And I thought about that, and afterwards, Anthony and I were talking. I said, "I wonder, wonder what would happen if I said, I hope you're, you're, you, if you have a child that turns out Christian, right? The, like, what kind of, what, like, what? So you're recognizing when you say, I hope your child turns out gay, that you're recognizing that it's a reaction to Christian thinking. It's not something they're born with." It's not something that it's something that's cultivated by culture with a hatred for God. That's really what it comes down to. And one of the things you mentioned, that these people that are detransitioning, and I really plan to do this at some point on Apologetics Live because one of the things people don't realize medically, you have all these parents getting these operations for children but whether the children wanted the the operation or not, once they turn 18, they can sue the doctor mm-hmm. for whatever the operation is. And this is why so few doctors will do an operation unless it is absolutely medically necessary so that they can prove that in court. Well, you, you just wait. All these people that, you know, they grew up being told they're transgender and they're still not happy, they're going to see a cash cow as it's, it's already started happening. And some of them are already starting mm-hmm. to collect the money. And when that continues and these people realize I can get millions of dollars from some doctor just because he performed a surgery when I was 16, even though I agreed with it when I was 16, guess what? That's going to be a thing that I think will stop this nonsense. Mm-hmm. 
because the doctors are going to go, oh, they're going to go back to the way they do every other surgery and go, we're not promoting this unless, you know, there's a, there's got to be a change of the law. So, and I'm sure that's what's going to end up happening. Congress will just go, oh, except for the case of transgenderism, you can't sue your doctor, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what they're going to claim. No, I absolutely agree with you on that. And in fact, I was just saying that uh, about a week or so ago where I saw one of those uh, – you know, news articles about a young woman who was going into the process of suing the people involved. And the sad part about it is you've nailed it right on the head. It won't be because we've recognized this is evil. This is wrong. We're harming children. We won't have compassion. We won't have rational or logical thinking. We won't be looking at actual science. We won't have the heart of God on this. No, it's going to be, wow, I really, my pocketbook got hit. And that's what's going to change it. And, and, and sadly, I think the, the truth of the matter is, like you said, uh, once they begin to realize that that is going to change the ability to promote transgender uh, ideology, then yes, you're going to have a call for laws to be changed so the doctors can't be sued. So absolutely agree with you on that. And the sad part about all of this is that as we are watching this ideology continue to be pushed forward and the, the world's thinking continues to be more and more depraved, what is it being replaced with? Well, you, you touched on it a bit ago when you stopped, said that critical thinking had to be jettisoned when we started talking about evolution in schools. Well, what has it been replaced with over the years? Well, we got things like social justice, intersectionality, critical theory, everything that says you don't have to analyze what creates this situation and, and determine what's right, what's wrong, who's got the right answers. No, here's the framework. Everything is racist. Everything is oppressive. Everything is bigoted. Everything is misogynistic. And depending on where you fall on the gender or uh, ethnic scale is whether or not you're the oppressor or you're the victim of the oppression. And that's, and that's what's been happening is we've replaced the ability to think and analyze with the, a framework. You know, we, you know, there's a, a meme that runs around. I think the TV show is called Family Guy. And he's, be, he's pulled over by the police and there's a card held up of various skin tones. And if he's within certain white shades, he's to be arrested. If he's within certain darker shades, he's to be let go. And that's basically what we're watching being done is that you are you depending on where you fit in the scale you're either an oppressor who needs to be repentant meaning giving everything over to the oppressed or you are the oppressed and you have everything uh in your favor which is why we're seeing what's happened with audrey hale being treated the way she is she's even though she was a vile evil murderer of children she's still somehow a victim and that's what's what no 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 She's a hero. Uh, well, that too. She's a martyr. A martyr, a hero, and a victim, which created this scenario. So the, the only time I've seen a, a murderer considered a martyr was in Mormonism with Joseph Smith, where he shot his – he was shooting the people that were coming after him, yeah. and they called him a martyr. Martyrs, by definition, are not people who kill other people. Yeah, and and then die as a result of it. <laughs> exactly. So uh, but so what we're watching is that is, – uh, as this these systems have been put into place and the the uh, the depraved and the unregenerate are are lauded as these virtuous his, uh, heroes any and all objections that we may raise to say no wait there's an objective standard here there's an objective standard of truth there's an objective standard of morality and this system is wrong oh no if you've said that you're hateful and you're oppressive so the 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 systems now put in place lift up the unregenerate and depraved and shut down any ability for possible uh, critical thinking and the ability to voice anything that's about truth. And so 
as a result, the culture now starts to fight back against people like uh, you know, like Andrew and myself, those of us that listen to this program. We, if you are saying there is an objective truth and objective morality, culture begins to turn on you. Why? Because you are standing in the way of their depraved moral uh, immoral lifestyle you you are a constant represent a representation of that which is true that which is right that which is moral and they will fight back through insults through mocking they will create reverse institutional oppression and now ultimately violence through rhetoric and action and so what how, why is that that's because god's law is written upon on all of our hearts jeremiah 31 33 which is also cited in hebrews 10 16 says his law is written upon our hearts and our conscious con uh, consciousness excuse me conscience convicts us of sin it convicts us of that of evil that is in our hearts and points us to the judgment that is to come under God. It reveals to us the true condition of our hearts, which Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it. It points us to the only hope of salvation that we have, which Galatians 3, 24 tells us, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in, in order that we might be justified by faith. The law, you know, points us to what our inability to please God because we are wicked, vile sinners. And it points us to Christ that we might be justified by faith in him. So anything in our culture that would potentially uh, demonstrate something is immoral or it's not fit for public acceptance or practice, they have to shut it down. It has to be utterly, completely eschewed. They can't stand it because it is a reminder of that law of God written upon their hearts. They would rather sear that heart to rock hard to where it, they just cannot feel any sense of conviction that so they can continue to uh, sin without any fear of feeling bad about it. But as long as we stand up and say, no, thus says the Lord, or anything that bears resemblance to it. Why do you think... Uh, conservative political positions as compromised as they are in recent years. Why do they stand against that? Because they cannot abide by anything that even bears a remote resemblance to the truth of God. Anything that says you are accountable for your own actions, anything that says we must do what is right and good, anything that says government doesn't, isn't the overlord that gets to tell you how to think you yourself must you know, respond to your conscience and do what is right and good. They have to shut it down because even a slight glimmer is enough to convict the heart. And so they will, they are turning on anything in the culture Every uh, law, every institution, every form of public expression that could potentially be to remind them of God and his truth has to be torn down and replaced. Go back to critical theory. What are we doing? Tearing down, rebuilding. That's what they're doing. They are tearing down anything that would potentially remind them that God is a God of justice who will one day hold them true, uh, hold them accountable to, uh, for his truth and hold them accountable for their sin. And so, and to allow any kind of divine foot in the door is to reintroduce to the human conscience the law of God and the conviction of sin. And that's why when you see the, this culturally acceptable form of violence turning on the right kinds of people, it's acceptable. You know, you look back at the BLM and Antifa riots. Why did they call them mostly peaceful but fiery protests? Because it, it, it was uh, about turning against the entrenched oppressive system. 
It was the they you know it was okay to destroy cities. It was okay to destroy property. It was okay to hurt people. It was okay to even kill a man who was a retired police chief who was simply trying to act as security, and he's killed. Why? Why is that acceptable in the in the media, in the political realm, in the in the cultural consciousness? Because it was turning against that system that says, "Oh no, there's a higher moral standard," and you redefining it as wrong. No, they have to allow for that. Politicians, that you pointed it out because I had made reference to this in in my article. Maxine Waters back in 2018 said, "Yeah, if you see Trump's staff, if you see his supporters in the public square, harass them, yell at them, get them, chase them out of here. There, let them know they don't uh, they don't belong. It's uh, it's an attempt to silence uh, any form of opposition. You know, and and what's interesting is when you see these things begin to happen and you go." This is wrong. Hey, look, you got mad at January 6th. Why are you not mad about that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not allowed to ask that question. Why? Because these individuals legitimately have anger over their lifetime of oppression. These these people are angry over this kind of behavior that's oppressive and destructive. And we're even seeing it now. It, it happened again at a university, uh, at the law, uh, I think it was Yale Law School, where a, an appellate court judge comes to speak yeah. at an invitation. And they're shouting him down. They're calling, you know, they're saying things to him, interrupting his speech. And the administrator even allows for it. This dean of diversity allows for it and for 10 minutes lectures him. This rhetoric of attack, this rhetoric of harassment, it's allowed over and over again. And it's getting worse. March 28th, Fox News ran an article about a Wayne, Wayne State University, I cited this in the article, a Wayne State University professor who said, protest isn't enough because protest makes us look bad and the media gets to use it against us. You know what would be better? If they were killed. He literally, I yeah. mean, he's been now to the Wayne State University's credit, he's been suspended, um, with pay, but he's been suspended. Who knows what so will happen? Vacation. Yeah, that, that's called vacation. vacation. That's that's like when when uh, oh, uh, from the View, uh, Whoopi Goldberg insults mm. Jewish people. Now they they call for everyone else to be canceled, but when she did it, you know, insulting Jewish people, she got a two week vacation. Exactly. Uh, that's that's not a punishment. It, you know, a paid vacation is not punishment. Not in, in my the, mind. No, not in the least. But the sad part about it is um, this is all behavior. You, that's another great example. Here's an individual that spoke against a religious group that, even though not Christian, bears re resemblance to Christian because of its adherence to the Old Testament. And it is from where Christianity was was born. Close enough in their mind, they can say the negatives about that and turn people's... Uh, anger and animosity against them and barely not even a slap on the wrist. Why? It's a tacit uh, approval by the media, by institutions, even religious entities, political entities, that this form of rhetoric and violent action is acceptable because it's being brought against the right kind of people. And even if they don't go out and say, like some people did, I, I still remember... Uh, Oh, Cuomo, I forget his first name, that he was on MSNBC. Andrew? Oh, Andrew, uh, Andrew or Chris? I can't remember which one was on MSNBC. Was it Andrew? Oh. No, Chris Cuomo. The, the, 
Chris Cuomo is the the uh, journal, the, if you want to say Chris, journalist. Chris, yeah, yeah, journalist in a looser sense of the term. Complaining. Where does it say, say that uh, protests have to be polite? Where does it say they that they, they uh, you know that they have to be respectful? And as somebody pointed out, um, pe- or peaceable. Yeah, right there in the Constitution, you have a right to peaceably wait, wait, assemble. Was it, wasn't it Trump that said let's peaceably protest? Rest. They called that an insurrection. Exactly. Right. So, but when you're violent for the right cause, then then it's acceptable. Well, then it's the only way to get heard. You can't, you know, because then what their what their argument is, well, if we don't do this, and I've heard, I, I literally talked to a guy that's very supportive of Black Lives Matter, um, you know, some time ago, and he said, look, you know, black guy, he says, we have to be violent because if we're not violent, you know, no one's going to take us seriously. Yeah. And, that, and that's the sad part about it. And there are people like MSNBC and, and other so-called journalists who will openly say it's acceptable and use just that kind of language. Uh, or you will have tacit approval where we really don't, we don't say anything bad about it. We just kind of say, well, this happened and, and here's the reasons why behind it, etc. So not a open embracing, but a tacit approval by not calling it out for the evil that it is. And we see that going back to this shooting, as we talked about before, people who have said, well, she was rejected by her parents. She was a trans outcast. She was, uh, she was, you know, the police chief I, I know had said one of the potential uh, theories was that she may have had resentment for having to go to that school. And that's the kind of stuff that you're seeing others say, well, see, Christians are responsible for this. Christians are teaching trans people that they're evil or they're sinful. So therefore, this is why they're motivated. And so you have that acceptance of this violence without, you know, and as you said, Every time we've had a major shooting, boy, they're quick as far as fast as they can to ascribe some kind of Christian or conservative, uh, you know, uh, vile behavior. Therefore, it's wrong until they disguise, you know, find out it's not that, and then they be- become quiet. But in this case, now they're going one step further and trying to paint this picture of this. Well, she was really a great person, and yet somehow driven to this, and that's that acceptable one-sided hey this violence might be understandable or acceptable and as opposed to wow what a vile evil act and that's what we see happening here so i know i hate to um use logic but (laughs) if i apply that if i apply that logic that they have would i be able to go into a public school system and shoot it up because i was forced to go there no that would be consistent That's, I mean, that would be right. consistent I mean, thinking. Is, because the, the the thing is, their their whole argument is, well, this is this, this is people. You know, she was forced to go to this Christian school. Was I was forced to go to a public school? Yeah. I didn't have say in that. Yeah. And so, yeah. d- does that justify the behavior? And the answer is no. Now you get into the question of, okay, well, if it doesn't justify behavior, why are we why are we accepting it in this case? Because narrative matters. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, Should have known not, better. Not allowed to allow uh, bring in logic and and uh, and rationality, brother. It's simply not allowed. But you know the the sad part about this is you know there there that disparity is absolutely true. That's exactly what's going on right now. Um, now we'll bring up January 6 because we 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 touched on it a little bit ago but only for this comparison look there were people who did do some violent things and and fought with the cops and and and, and did things that they should be held accountable for absolutely um, but, there, but wait, wait you're saying that but i'm going to push back a little and say this 
though, though, yes, that's true. But can we say they were unprovoked? Because as we're now finding yeah. out, that's a good point. That's they good were point. provoked by the the police. So can we really say? I mean, when when many of them said they, they you know, here they're trapped in this small area and then they're they're tear gassed and they can't get out. Yeah, they were yeah. pushed into an area and and. You know, now we see with the police encouraging them to get in there, and then they're stuck. Then they're then there's a, a stampede event, mm-hmm. and people mm-hmm. are trying to be civilized. But yeah, I mean, there's a point where there was reaction, but out of what there was like eight hundred thousand people there, yeah, and yeah. they have maybe twenty that actually committed violence, two hundred that they've arrested. Right. That's a mostly peaceful protest. Right. And that's what I was going to get at is that, you know, there may be some instances where we might be able to say this person was wrong, that person was wrong. But in reality, when it when it push came to shove at the end, what were people doing? Wandering the halls, not finding what Horn Boy was, uh, you know, Buffalo Boy was being escorted around by law enforcement uh, on as Tucker Carlson free because of it. Yeah. Tucker Carlson referred to it as a as a guided tour. I, I might I I. Having been engaged in law enforcement for a long time, I would say it's probably more like, look, it's locked. You can't go in there. Okay, let's just go this way. You know, maybe trying to keep him from causing more problems. That's me being generous. I get that. Uh, But the point being, it wasn't a violent attempt to take over, nor was it an attempt to uh, hurt any of those inside the Capitol building. And yet we will we will call that a violent insurrection that but. The, the treatment of that still years later is vastly different than what we're seeing when Audrey Hale gunned down three children and three adults in cold blood. How is it that we can have that? And it goes back to that law of God written upon our hearts and the depravity of our culture. It's that depravity is growing worse and worse, which is, I believe goes right back to Romans chapter one. It, you know, that is God's, judgment on a people as they continue to uh to return their back on him he gives them over to that depraved mind to that debased mind and it is that as they continue in that their hatred for god and his word and his people grows they can't they can't kill christ again but they will turn against his followers and they will destroy anything in their path one way or another. If they can't shout you down, if they can't disenfranchise you, if they can't uh, demonize you, then there's one more opportunity and that's to go after you physically. And I believe that's what we see with Audrey Hale. Now, her manifesto has not been released at this point. It may never be released. We don't know. But yet everybody on all sides seem to recognize that here was a transgender person who shot up a Christian school. Most people can do the math and go, there's a connection. And that it is like, it is likely her trans status, which came into conflict with Christianity that connected those two together. And whether her outline, whether her manifesto specifically outlines that or not, what we can say is that Hale, who was a deeply troubled woman, who was fully immersed in a sinful lifestyle, turned her anger against the people of God. I don't think you need any greater evidence than that for what, what persecution looks like. When people hate God, they love their sin and they hate God that they go after his people. And I believe that's what we saw happen. Um, scripture tells us that all who desire to live godly will be persecuted, not might be, will be persecuted. You see that in 2 Timothy 3.12. 
we recognize that the promises of God are sure and true. Folks, we, this is where uh, the, the rubber meets the road in this discussion. What are we talking about? We are talking about a collision course with genuine Christian faith versus the depravity of the world. And we, are, we have been on a collision course and we are, we are hitting each other now. And that we are watching the culture begin to react. And we are watching the culture continually more and more approve of that which is violent rhetoric or violent action against anything that has a, even a marginal resemblance to the Christian church. And we have to recognize that that is coming and we are going to face it in some form or fashion. Um, and in fact, even more so what we're seeing, and I, I shared this on Twitter the other day, and I mentioned it earlier, this uh, Charlotte Clymer, uh, this man that says he's a woman, it was portray him and, of course, everybody's favorite liberal, uh, you know, leftist theologian, Jim Wallace, were on with Joy Reid, and she, Joy was positioning them as like, these are reasonable Christians. Here, here's here's what the uh, uh, the right is saying about you Charlotte Clymer about how, you know, transgenderism is antithetical to Christianity. How do you feel? What's Clymer's response? I don't see Christ in their words. How does a person who absolutely hates what the word of God says be able to know how to speak for Christ or understand the words of Christ? The truth, the simple truth is he can't, but he is being positioned as the reasonable one. He is being positioned as the true Christian. We are watching the world attempt to steal the Christian faith and prop its, its own godless, idolatrous version up as the true Christian faith so that what? Biblical Christians can be persecuted, marginalized, shoved out of the public square. You, know, you have a discussion with a transgender person, a man pretending to be a woman, trying to speak for Christ when the very person of their own, quote, community was the one responsible for killing three Christian children, nine years of age. How ludicrous is it? Yet it is being done. We, are on a, we have been on a collision course. We are running into each other at breakneck speed. And it is going to get even more ugly, I believe, as time goes on. Uh, this is not something that can be solved by political solutions. This is, you have an ideology that has been embraced by the world that is literally irrational, literally insane, literally untrue in every possible uh, metric. Yet, it has been lifted up as the thing to be honored and virtued or as, and, and treated virtuously, yet... It is Christianity that is the cause of the, the anger and pain that they feel. There, there's no political solution to this. Um, we're going to be hated. We're going to be scorned. We're going to be mocked. We're going to be called names. We're going to be excluded from public discourse. And we're even going to be a, continue to be uh, you know, violently attacked as time goes on. What do we do? What do we do? We pray first and foremost. We pray and thank God that we live in such a time that we see his word being revealed to us in its, if, uh, in its fullness. That the world hates him. It hates his truth. It hates the gospel. It, it loves its sin. And it is bound for hell. And we can see it playing out before us. We pray and we thank God. And then we show the true love of Jesus Christ by preaching and proclaiming the gospel to a hateful, God-hating vile, depraved culture because that's what they need. Charlotte Hale, or excuse me, not Charlotte, Audrey Hale needed the gospel. Now, 
I pray that at some point Audrey Hale had heard the gospel growing up in that Christian school. I'm praying that her parents shared it with her, but that's what she needed. Now, Audrey Hale in her sin may have rejected it and may have continued down this path as an eventual result of her sin, but that's what she needed. And every person who celebrates her, every person who calls her a martyr, everybody calls her a hero, everybody that thinks she's a victim of Christianity, desperately, there, there are a million Audrey Hales out there and they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are on a collision course. What are we going to do? Are we going to do like, uh, you know, uh, people like Nate Collins of Revoice says, oh, let's kind of befriend these individuals because they're victims of Christianity? Are we going to be like, uh, uh, you know, people like um, J.D. Greer and others who stand up and say, we, we got to be the most accepting of LGBT people. We got to use their pronouns. We got to compromise the, the Christian faith so they feel love because they've, you know, the Christian, Christian faith has been so terrible to them. Or are we going to be genuinely loving Christians who proclaim the gospel with tears in our eyes, knowing, uh, you know, with urgency in our voice, knowing where they're headed? Because Audrey Hale stepped out of this life the second those police came around the corner. And she stood before God. And right now she is being held accountable for her sins. Every single Audrey Hale out there needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brother, we've got to understand that narrative matters to them because that narrative is what holds them up and makes them feel so warm and fuzzy about their sin. And yet we've got to be about uh, people that are more concerned about not our reputations, not our jobs, not our our, our uh, financial wherewithal, not the stability of, of uh, the economic culture. We got to be concerned about people who are being elevated as spiritual or some sort of moral spiritual warriors and heroes. And every one of them is going to step out of this life and into hell. And every one of them looks at us and sees God and hates God and hates Christ. And one of the things that we see is the difference here. We've pointed it out. You know, they're they're calling for vengeance against Christians, violence against Christians. Uh, even the governor of Arizona, her press secretary, called for death mm-hmm. for Christians and people who are against transgenders. <clears throat> now, so not not even hating transgenders, just if you're not in agreement, calling for death. This is because narrative matters. Why? What's the message that you've been hearing on this program that you hear from biblical Christians? It's this. If you're listening to this and you're you're a transgender, you practice homosexuality, you practice transgenderism, you you are thinking about it, you're concerned, you're not sure about your sexuality. This is the message that Christians have for you. You just like Chris and I, have broken God's law. Both of us, along with you, are sinners. We were criminals in God's sight. God looks at us in our natural state as enemies of him. We hate him. We would want to kill him if we could. That is the natural state of man. And when we sit and try to live in a world that God has created without giving him the due glory that he deserves, we try to give that glory to ourselves, and we're not deserving of it. And we can never, it's it's never going to work to try to do that and fit in well in the world. 
And so what happens? Well, we, we feel guilt. We feel guilt over sin. So what do we do? We throw ourselves into different things, drugs, alcohol, you know, sex, work. People will create something to say, well, if I just have this, everything will be better. And for many of those that are in this whole movement, they're thinking if they just can have sex with whoever they want, if they could just be the gender that they think they want, they will be happy. And they aren't happy. Oh, they'll say to the world, oh, I'm so happy. Look at me. I'm getting the attention I want. Um, but that's not true happiness. It's Well, it's not, it's not joy. We'll put it that way because there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is what happens. Joy is something that when things don't go your way, you're still going to have joy because it's, it's rooted in something that doesn't change like God. And so when you're listening to us and you're angry at us because we're not celebrating your perversion. And that's, unfortunately, that's what it is. It's a perversion. It's a perversion of God's word. I, it doesn't mean you're a bad person in, in the sense of comparing yourself to me or anyone else. We're all a bad person when we compare ourselves to God. None of us can keep that standard because God calls us to be absolutely perfect in word, thought, and deed. None of us can do that. But comparatively to me, yeah, you may be more moral. You may be a nicer person. I, I won't even dispute that. But that's not the issue. The issue is you have the same problem that I had, which is that apart from God doing work in our life, we would go to hell. We'd go to the lake of fire for all of eternity, rightfully so because we break God's law. He is infinitely holy and infinitely just. And because of that, when we break his law, it has an infinite consequence. And that's why God and only God can make the way of escape. God himself, being an eternal being, came to earth and became a man. Think about that. Just meditate upon that. We all want to go to heaven. Jesus left heaven where all the angels are singing his praises. There's no starvation, no sin, no sickness, none of that. He left heaven to come to earth for the explicit purpose of living a perfect human life, never breaking God's law, and then dying on a cross as a substitute for us. What makes Jesus unique? What makes him the only one that can offer forgiveness? Because he being truly God can pay an eternal fine and pay it for more than one person because he is an eternal being. Having become a man and living as a man a perfect life, never violating God's law, he's the only one that could be a substitute for other human beings. That's what makes Christianity unique because it's the only religion that can marry God's justice and mercy because mercy and justice are mutually exclusive. But because he is infinitely infinite God, he can pay the infinite consequence that is justice. He paid the full weight and punishment of the sin that you and I committed. And now he can offer mercy. It's the only religion in the world that can do that. It's the only religion in the world that explain, that has that solution because it's the only one that can solve it because of who Jesus is. It's not based on works that we do. That's why every other man-made religion is a moral system. What we're telling you is that you and I both are guilty of breaking God's law. If you're listening to me, I don't know you personally, me, but I do know what God says about you and me. We both break God's law. 
We're both criminals in his sight. We both need Jesus for forgiveness of sin. That's the message the Christian has to the transgender, is that if you would turn from your sin, turn from the pride of thinking you're a good person or your good works will, will merit you anything, turn to Jesus Christ, trust what he did in his death on your behalf, then you can have eternal life. That's the message. We're, we're not wishing you dead. We're not wishing you. We actually want you to live as long as you possibly can so that you can hear the message that I just shared. We don't want you dead. We recognize that you're, you're living in sin. All of us live in, have lived in sin, but we're calling you to repentance. We're calling you to have the same transformation we had where God changes our self from being an enemy of God to being adopted into the family of God. That's what we're calling you to. It's a very radically different message. Why? Because we're not trying to make a political message. I mean, we have strong stances politically, but ours is not a political message. We're not doing it because we have some agenda that we want the culture to buy into. Whether everyone in America becomes a Christian or not, we're still going to proclaim the truth of God's word because it's true and because people need to hear it. it is the most loving thing we could do is to tell people this is what God says about you and ask them to repent and put their faith in Jesus Christ. Radically different message, Chris, than what we're hearing from the, the, the media, what we're hearing from uh, those that are want to have this day of rage against Christians. We're not trying to we, – we don't want them dead. They want us dead. They want us in jail. They want us silenced. We want them to repent. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. Folks, we, the reason, again, we did this show is for that message right there. This is what we as Christians should be the most concerned about. When we see these things happening, we recognize it is the world responding as the world does against God. It hates God. It hates his word. Why do we see things like transgender ideology being promoted? Why are we seeing drag show family-friendly, the worst phrase, another contradiction in terms, family-friendly drag shows? Why are we seeing pornographic material being brought into school libraries and, and, and curriculums? It is that the promotion of that which God hates will be brought into the, the youngest generations possible so that they will grow up with the belief that this is normal, there's nothing wrong with it, and anybody who says otherwise is hate-filled and angry and wants to destroy them. That is what the world wants them to believe. So when Christians speak up and say, no, you cannot, you cannot do these things. You cannot bring this to our children. You cannot say these things and make this normal in the eyes of our children. What we are saying is what God has said. Christ himself said that anyone, anyone who leads these little ones to sin, it would be better if he were a uh, millstone were hung about his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Better if that, meaning that the judgment for such corruption of children as is being done in our nation it would be better that you were drowned in the depths of the sea than face god on judgment day 
That is what we are here proclaiming to people. You cannot do this. You will not do this. We will not stand for this. Why? Because we do not want to invite the wrath of God upon a people, which we are now beginning to see more and more unfold. So we stand up and we proclaim the truth. This is sin. This is wrong. This is an offense to God. It's a stench in his nostrils. And you will stand before him on judgment day. God help you on that day because you will have no other hope. You must repent. You must turn from these things. That is what we are asking you to consider when you see such a tragic, horrifying event as what happened in Nashville, Tennessee. And you see all the discussions about Audrey Hale and how she was this wonderful person. Understand this Audrey Hale needed Jesus Christ. She turned her back back on Christ. And the inevitable result of that sin led her to what she did. And that is what every sinner would do to Christ if he, he or she could. Now proclaim the gospel because they desperately need to hear it. Now, when you see these things unfold, remember, these are people that hate Christ. It's not a culture war issue. It's a sin issue. Yes, the culture war is something we can and should be engaged in. We've talked about it plenty of times. But why? Because it's a sin issue. Why do we say, thus saith the Lord? Because it's a sin issue. Why do we proclaim Christ? Because it's a sin issue. And these people are facing condemnation for eternity if they do not repent. So hopefully, hopefully, hopefully this has been useful to you tonight. Hopefully we've approached this maybe a little bit differently than some outlets have done. So we're not going to get into the politics. We want to get into the heart of the issue, which is the matter of the heart. So hopefully this has been a blessing to you. Uh, before we even begin to sign off, first and foremost, Andrew, thank you so much for jumping in and filling in tonight. I I, I very much dislike doing it by myself because I really don't have to want to torture our listeners for an hour and a half, which is me. Uh, so I appreciate you coming on. And I really appreciate everything that you added to this because I, I think it was... It's so important for people to consider these things. So before we let anybody go, any last thoughts? Well, I know I can't live up to uh, the the great Richard story, but <laughs> I try. But, uh, I, I do appreciate coming in. I, and, and I know that you don't like to do it alone. That's why, you know, when I saw your post, I said, hey, you know, if, if you want someone to just be there, I can I can do that. And like I said, I didn't get to really talk about these things publicly yet. And so I was I was I'm glad to, that you gave me the opportunity to do that. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. Folks, you need to go check out Andrew's programs, uh, both Rap Report and uh, Apologetics Live. Apologetics Live. Rap, rap Report is rap with two P's, by the way. Yeah. R-A-P-P Report. Rap Report. And But uh, also, Apologetics Live, uh, it is Thursday nights. You guys are uh, 8 p.m. 8 to 10 Eastern time. Eastern time. 8 to 10 Eastern time. Unless you end up on Anthony time, then it just, we know, we'll never know when it ends. But uh, <laughs> but it's great because it's a live webcast um, and you can view it through Facebook, YouTube, and, and, and other outlets because he uses a, a setup called StreamYard so they can go to multiple locations. And I would encourage you, if, if for no other reason, jump in to, uh, to the Facebook or the YouTube chats because the discussions that come out of what they're doing online are so fantastic and sometimes absolutely entertaining. Uh, <laughs> you you got to be careful with the chats. You might get lost and forget what they were talking about. <laughs> but I would really encourage you. And if you are someone who has apologetics question, Andrew, you invite them to come on the show and either in the chat or come online and ask you guys questions directly. I think you say you can ask and answer any questions, I recall, right? 
Well, that, that's the purpose of the show is to, to not just teach apologetics, but to answer questions. So yes, I say that I can answer any question anyone has about God in the Bible, because I don't know is a perfectly good answer. Amen. Amen. I love that. I love that. So I want to encourage you to go check those out. And please go check out the uh, Christian podcast community. You're going to find good stuff there. And I've said this before, but I'm going to say it because Andrew's here and he can confirm it. To, to get into Christian co- podcast community, it's not just, hey, I'm Christian, so let me in. There's a process. I've known Andrew for years. Rich has known Andrew for years. He, he invited us. And we still had to go through the, the process. And then his own podcast co-host had to still go through the process. <laughs> hey, I've had I've had personal friends who I encouraged to join and they got rejected. Ooh. So yeah. I mean, I've had I'm like, I'm sorry, but you know, I, I told you, you know, you should consider it, but we're it, it we do a lot of vetting. We we only accept about thirty to forty percent of those that apply. So we're we're really we're really strict with it with who we we accept on and um, because we want to disciple those people and we're going to try to work with them to improve their podcast and so if people just want downloads we're not the right place for you yeah. I mean yeah you'd get a lot with us but we're just not going to be the right place for you. Yeah. So, so I definitely encourage you guys to go check it out. Uh, by the way, it, it didn't say this at the beginning of the show, slavetothekeng.com. Uh, Andrew mentions it earlier. That's our website. It is where you can keep up to date on new episodes that are coming out. It's where you may contact to us directly with, uh, through email, or you can just email us at voiceofreasonradio at gmail.com. Or, and you can also get articles as they come out. I'm trying to be better about putting articles on the website. The problem is, is that every all of y'all don't go to the website. So I have to go to places like Twitter and write uh, long-form tweets because it's the only place anybody wants to read stuff. So <laughs> go to the website, and I might start putting more of my writing there. But uh, you know, go there, get signed up, uh, and become a follower. And you can, uh, you know, if you want to support the show, you can do it through there. If you want to get merchandise for the show, the links to where you can get a T-shirt and stickers for the show to help promote the show uh, are over there as well. So. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for hanging in there for a little bit longer than usual. We've been trying to keep it tighter to the close hour, but this was there was a lot to cover here, a lot of ground we had to go over. And so a little extra time. We appreciate your patience with us. If you find the show useful and helpful, helpful, a couple of things I would ask you to do. Number one, let us know. Uh, even if you hate the show, as long as you are respectful in your response, please email us. Uh, if you like the show or you have questions, you have ideas, please email us. Um, the other thing is whatever podcast app that you use, whether it's like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever, because we're on a lot of them, if it's a, a, able to do so, consider leaving a review. I've said this before. Reviews don't, don't do anything for us. It doesn't exactly pump, pump us up in the algorithm or anything. It doesn't make us more visible, but it does let someone know what you think of the show. And uh, just like if you go onto Amazon and you want to buy a book or a product and you look at the reviews and go, wow, that's a piece of junk. I'm not touching that. Um, then you, you would know, okay, that's the, those are things that I, I don't want to buy. Oh, here's something I will buy. It's good. Same thing for reviews for podcasts. It, it, it helps other people know what kind of content to expect and whether or not it's helpful. Sometimes the most entertaining ones to read are the ones that hate our or hate podcasts like Andrew's and mine, because then you realize, wow, we must be hitting the right buttons. Uh, <laughs> 
But we don't encourage that, by the way. Please don't do that. But they can be entertaining to read. So those are the two things I would ask you to consider doing. And then lastly, if this show is helpful to you, and a lot of you seem to be doing that, consider sharing it with other people. Not to boost up the numbers. We don't like to talk about the numbers because we're not a numbers show. We're not trying to chase uh, downloads. But sharing it helps other people know that there's content out there that can be beneficial to them. And while said this many times, don't you ever allow any podcast or any sermon uh, podcast that, you know, that's out there, replace uh, your commitment to a local church. If you ever do that, I'll come after you. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> I'll be mad, very mad at you. I'm going to speak very tersely to you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, We hope to be a tertiary tool that can come alongside and help you. So, uh, you know, share it if you think this will be beneficial to someone else. All right, folks, thank you so much for everything. Thank you for being with us through this time. God bless you guys. And whatever you do this week, I can't, Rich is not here, so I'll say it for him. Make sure you share the biblical uh, biblical means of salvation with somebody this week. Find someone, find an Audrey Hale to speak to. And then whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. God bless you guys. Good night. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.